What I want to look at this morning is a bit of a reminder, but also a bit of an encouragement. Uh, and I've called it Recovering from COVID. This Siemens had about five different um, topics or titles as it's gone through. Um, so what I want to do, is, first of all, with a bit of a reminder, just remind us, you know, what is it, what is it being a Christian? What is Christianity? You know, church, what's that about? How ought we to be in all of this? And then just at the end, I want to talk about what's happened because of COVID and what we need to be doing to um, rectify that. So, first of all, and again, a lot of this is not going to be surprised to most of us, uh, at least hopefully none of us. Um, so, what is a, a, a Christian? Uh, and as my son likes to say, um, someone who follows Christ. Uh, there's a couple of passages where Paul uses this term imitate and it's actually uh, in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 he says imitate me just as I also imitate Christ and in Ephesians 5.1 it says therefore be imitators of God as dear children and this idea of that we are modelling ourselves on our God on Jesus, who was basically God in the flesh. And therefore, that's kind of, and in fact, if you look up in the Greek, and for all, I know I won't go into Greek much, but that idea of followers is that same word, imitators. So we're someone who takes on those attributes, those thoughts, those actions um, of God and Christ, as best as we can. And remember as well, um, when we look at passages like Romans uh, and also Galatians, which we sing a lot, Romans says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you know that as many of us as were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death just as Christ also raised from the, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And think about that. We're imitators of Christ. And not only in the way he lived, but also in the way he died and was raised. And we are then walkers in a new life. We've gone through that same process. We've been basically put to death the old life. We've been buried in baptism, just as Christ was um, put to death and also was buried. And then he rose. And we too rise um, now in that newness of life. And in Galatians, just to take this a little bit further, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And again, that idea of my old life is gone and now I live a new life. But look at what it says in there. But Christ lives in me. And again, that idea of what Christ does, I do. What Christ thought, 
His actions, his attitudes, those should be my actions, those should be my attitudes. That idea again of, very similar to the idea of imitating, that Christ is living in me. So it's as though I'm, and we're not this, but this is just an analogy, as though I'm an empty robot that they threw away the old program and they put Christ in instead. You know, that, that's kind of the picture, but without the throwing away the old me. I'm subjugating myself instead. Sorry, science fiction background. Um, so my old life has been replaced. My old life, my old desires, my wants, all of that's gone. But now I'm an imitator of Christ. And I live as though Christ were controlling my actions. That's our aim. All right? And I know we fall short sometimes and we sin and there's mechanisms for that. But that's what we're aiming for. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 25, and again, very familiar passages, just fleshing this out a little bit more. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, just in case you miss something from the list, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that was our old life. What's the new life? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, For those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And that idea of walk, basically, actions, thoughts, etc. So we've got rid of this first part of the verse. That's what we were into before. And you may not be able to tick every single one of those, but some of them you definitely would have done. Same as me. And now we're replacing that with those things that are the fruits of the Spirit. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, again, similar sort of idea, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And again, that idea of we're renewing. But not only that, we're now presenting our bodies as a sacrifice. And, and remember the idea of sacrifice was something you gave up, something that you gave to God. But now what we're doing is we're presenting our bodies, we're living our lives as a sacrifice. And we're doing that by not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by that renewing of our mind. Changing our mind from worldly thinking into the thinking of Jesus, the thinking of God. And that's, as we know, from the mind or the heart, as the the scripture says, that's where your actions come from. So renewing your mind will therefore renew your actions as well. All right. But the world doesn't set the agenda. But uh, that doesn't mean that we can totally ignore the world. We live in the world. 
But that idea of we are, our priorities are not set by the world. Our, the things that we value are not set by the world. And in Matthew 6, verses 31 to 34, again, just a passage that highlights this idea. And he's been talking about... Um, here he says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What is that saying? Look, the world worries about what's going to be on the table next week. What job am I going to have? What am I going to wear? Am I in fashion? Which I'm not, all right? But what? God goes, yeah, know that, tick, done. What are we concerned about? We're concerned about the kingdom of God. That's the thing that we seek first. We don't, God's going to take care of that stuff. We need to be focused on the other stuff. What is God interested in? And then, let tomorrow worry about that itself, alright? God is in control. So when it comes to church, and and there's, there's a whole lot of views on what church is and all that sort of stuff, and I've just summarised this down to three, and I apologise for my analogies uh, in advance. But to give you the idea of how do people think about church. And yes, I've used a picture from my own family. Um, I couldn't find a coffee shop in the clip art. But the idea of church is a coffee shop or a shop. You go along because you like it. You have your coffee, you go home. How much more thought do you give about the coffee shop for the rest of the week? Other than I'm going to go there next week or in four days' time, that's it. How do I value that coffee shop? Is their coffee any good? Did I like their buns? Oh, God, they must have got a new chef because the buns this week were terrible. I didn't get anything out of that. That was awful. I want my money back. Or is it the club view? And I'm a soccer player. Apologies. I turn up, and if I'm lucky I go to the training, um, and I play the match on whatever day it is. It used to be Saturday for me. And that's it. I go home. I've done my job. I've contributed. I even turned up for training two days a week. And I had my fun and I went home. Again, what happens after that? I've done my two days. I did my training. I did my exercise. I even got to play for the whole match. Isn't that wonderful? But if it all gets too hard, what's the first thing that goes? Oh, I'm not going to go to training this week. It's too hard. Hurt my leg. Oh, no, that's it. Or is church more a lifestyle? I was once overheard a conversation with somebody 
And basically, he was making a comparison between Christianity and Buddhism. And he described Buddhism as a lifestyle. And Christianity was more like a club. And the thing is, it's the wrong way around. Christianity is a lifestyle. We live it. I didn't crucify with Christ, except on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Oh, and the, the, the couple of hours on the Wednesday night I am, but I'm not on the rest of Sunday. I am crucified with Christ all the time. I am raised to walk in units of life all the time. It is a lifestyle. And we come to church, but that's just part of it. Part of that continuing life in Christ. And yes, there are good reasons why we come. And we've done those in previous sermons. I'm not going to go there again. But that idea that we're part of the family of God. We are the part of the people of God. And we are concerned about each other spiritually. And it's bigger than just Sunday morning. Look at the example we have in Acts. So these were the people who were converted at Pentecost. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Look at what they were doing. Sharing. They were in each other's houses. That communal spirit was within the church. So they were together a lot. They had all things in common. Had had. Um, Typos. Sold possessions and divided among those who need. Met together in the temple courts. Broke bread and ate together in each other's houses. Praising God. Having favour with the people. So this is that picture of that church. And they were active. Think about all the love one another passages. Or not love one another, one another passages, of which love one another is one of them. We love one another, we serve one another, we forgive one another, submissive to one another, admonish one another, exhort and encourage one another, comfort one another, edify one another. And there's more, but I couldn't fit them on one slide. And that idea is there's that active participation as a family. (coughs) Consider one another. And I'm going to just pick this one up for special attention because of what's involved in it. And it's a familiar passage again. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed, washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, 
not forsaking the assembling of, our, of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I love that in order to um, stir up love and good works. Uh, and it almost has the idea of get under the skin of people. All right? We irritate each other to love and good works. Not quite, but you know, we're, that's sort of the way the words. So we're thinking about each other. Consider one another. And that has the idea to perceive, to consider attentively. So we're thinking about each other and thinking about how do I do this? How do I, what do I do for you that encourages you? How do I get you to engage in love and good works? And that outcome then is that we encourage each other. We build one another up. Titus says, um, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. And we have the example of Christ. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit... If any affliction and mercy fulfill my joy being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And you think about our example. Gave up heaven to come here and serve us. Be obedient to God. Become the entire mechanism by which we are saved through his death on the cross. And zealous for good works. So as I said, and this is all a reminder, none of this is new to us. But what's happened? COVID happened. We all went into isolation. And it's broken all of that stuff that we were doing. We've had to resort to minimum contact. Zoom only. And we're losing that stuff. But... One of the things I want to encourage each of us today is remember it's much bigger than just our assemblies. Think about how can I benefit the church in these, even with working with COVID. I'm not saying ignore the rules. But if I'm waiting to be encouraged, guess what? I'll be sitting there alone. 
It doesn't say, brethren, wait around to be encouraged so that somebody else might consider me. It says, me, consider you. Encourage and provoke one another to good works. So let's take this as a reminder that let's try and find ways now, within working within COVID, we can get back to that fellowship, that building up. How do I do it? I can still have coffee. You can invite people to your homes as long as you keep within the numbers. It was great to see everyone come to the picnic, even though we had to sit apart, which made conversations a bit hard, but we still managed it. So think about that. And I'm not saying that none of us are doing this, but I'm, what I'm saying is we've, it's very easy to have fallen off the wagon. That's a very American phrase, isn't it? It's very easy to stop because of all these restrictions that have kicked in. And this is a reminder for us to get back into that action, get back into thinking about how can I do this? All right? Review. How much impact is Christianity having on my life between 11am Sunday, which is the end of prayer groups currently, and 9.30 the following Sunday? What am I doing? Who am I having contact with? Who am I having over? Etc. So we need to be basically just be reminded, and that was the whole purpose of this, to remind us, all of us, that we need to get back to holding things and doing things that Christianity is about. Even though we've gone through all of these other issues with COVID, we're now at the, fr- the stage where we're rebuilding. So let's, I'm encouraging you all to get back into it, to continue to work at the things that we are doing. I'm not saying we're not doing anything, but let's get back in there and let's get in there with renewed veal, uh, zeal and vigour. Remember, and, and I can't remember the title. There was a book that said, um, Go Ye means go, go me, I think it was. Um, I tried to look it up on the internet and I got all everybody else's sermons who quoted it rather than um, that. Uh, but when it says encourage, it means I encourage. When it says love, it means I love. And if we all do that, then by corollary, mathematics speaking, by by pure outcome, if I'm encouraging all of you, you're all going to be encouraged. If you're encouraging everyone else, then I'm going to get encouraged. But if I wait for someone to encourage me, nobody gets encouraged because I've done nothing. I'm waiting for it to happen. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about the copyright. All these images are stock photos or mine. There was this amazing, and I, I know it's probably a bit sexist in this term, but um, I won't say who gave it to me, but there was this picture of waiting for the perfect man and there's a skeleton sitting on a chair covered in cobwebs. All right? And that's the idea. If I wait around for something to happen, it ain't going to happen. All right. I'm going to finish with Romans 12. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think more highly... Um, than he ought, but to think soberly, as God was dealt um, to each one of us a measure of faith. 
For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, we who being many are in one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace which is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. For ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And that is, yes, we've got different roles, but let's all be active in them, as well as all the universal stuff, all, right? all the love and encourage, etc. All right. So that idea of working together. So let's shake off last year. Let's get back to doing what we are to be about, working together, serving God together, building each other up together because we're the family of God.